following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology. How about if you open your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, 19, and 20. We're going to cover these three verses, especially those two last ones. But um, let's open God's Word this morning. And um, I'm going to read it, and then we're going to jump into the study of um, this wonderful truth we're going to see this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, 19, and 20. Verse 18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that and keep... um, Alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, and that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The Apostle Paul here is asking, verse 18 specifically, he starts mentioning about, he's asking Uh, his his fellow brothers in this church to pray to give him the ability because he has a task to to accomplish. This task is he needs to wants to share the gospel. And so this is something really important which um, I would like you guys uh, to know this morning that sharing the gospel um, of Jesus Christ uh, first of all, you know, it has to do with um, our dependence on the Lord because God needs to be the one that's going to lead us because by obeying him He's going to give us the wisdom and the ability to communicate the gospel. Um, I was reading in, a, in a Daily Bread a couple of days ago. Um, in the 1800s here in Canada, there was a missionary. Uh, let me see if I can pronounce his name. Um, Egerton um, Ryerson Young, something like that. He's a Methodist, used to be a Methodist. This guy was working with the Salto tribe here in Canada. And he had a privilege to go to share the gospel to the chief. And finally, the chief accepted to hear the, the, the message of the gospel. And the, the chief was so excited, and he, he asked this missionary, he's like, um, now that I heard the gospel, that God uh, loves me, uh, he died on the, on the cross for me, he forgave my, my sin, is he also my father, like it's, it's your father? And the missionary's like, of course, yes, he is. So everybody around the chief, you know, start dancing. They're, they're dancing, Indian dance. And woo, 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 woo. they were really happy because they heard that this is also apl- applicable to us. But then the chief didn't, didn't finish with, with his, with his uh, explanation or question. And he's like, but um, I don't want to be disrespectful to you. But why did you wait so long to come and share this gospel to your brother in the woods? Now, my question is to you and I. Uh, especially to you, because I've lived through this. I'm still living and praying that God will help me to, to do a better job into this. Have you ever struggled by sharing the gospel uh, of Jesus to somebody else? Have you ever come to a point that you don't know what to say? Your knees are like shaking. Your mouth is like locked. You can't even say Jesus or God loves you. And, and the purpose of my sermon this morning is to unveil some strategies that Apostle Paul um, is going to teach us. I remember my personal experience. In 1991, um, I was hospitalized. And being in the hospital for two days, 
I remember being in this big room with a lot of beds. There was a, a man next to me that um, during my days, I was thinking about um, before I leave the hospital, I'm going to talk and share with him the gospel. And every time we started a conversation, I never dare or feel the desire or the courage to, to embrace the conversation. So every time I will talk with, about something else. And then um, the next day, I will promise myself that I will engage the conversation and I will tell him about my faith. So the day comes that I, had, I, I left the hospital. And uh, I went home and was like, no, I failed. I need to go and visit him. So one day, I um, rolled up my Bible, put it in my pocket, because I was kind of afraid that people would see in the bus that I have a Bible. You know, kind of immature attitude. And so I um, arrived at the hospital, sat down with the guy for a couple of hours, and talked to, him, talked to him about different things, but never touched the subject about um, Jesus. So I left, and then a couple of days, I decided to go again. Do the same process. Roll up the Bible, put it in my pocket, jump into the bus, go to the hospital, and didn't talk to him about Christ because I was afraid. Went back home and promised myself that in a couple of days I will go. Days went by, weeks went by. I was opening the newspaper one time. Way in the back, I saw his picture. The man had passed away. And I felt miserable. I felt frustrated. Because it's not my job to save him, but it's my privilege to talk to him about Jesus that can save him. Are you with me? So, Paul, in verse 19... I want to read this verse again, and then we're going to go towards the first strategy. It said, also for me, Paul, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly. Now, this last expression here is the ability to articulate and communicate fearless, daring, and courageous the truth, which is the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the good news to the world. So we as believers, according to what Paul is saying here, we have the privilege to open our mouth, to communicate, to articulate, to say something about what has happened to us. Now can you imagine, I'm just trying to teach myself every time I need to study something like this. The, the word is saying, open my mouth boldly. So I just imagine, can you imagine a face of a human being without a mouth? That would be pretty weird, like a horror movie type of a picture. God gave us a mouth not just to eat, not just to drink, not just to laugh, not just to make fun of each other. <laughs> but He gave us a mouth to talk about what He has done in our lives, to express so our first strategy this morning, if you have your, your um, notes there, we have to uh, communicate or share with radical boldness. Radical boldness about our faith. Radical means without fear. Without being ashamed. Without being afraid of being rejected. Because we have been called to do this. And it's our privilege. I remember back in the seminary, one of our um, professors um, said one time, this was like an illustration, it's not something that comes out of the Bible, so don't talk to me after the service like, hey, you're teaching something, false doctrine here. No. He said, um, trying to help us to get on fire for the evangelism, he's like, when Jesus, Jesus went up into heaven, as soon as he arrived and the elevator opens, ding! 
and he came out, the angels were flying around. Oh, Lord, you're back, you're back. And then, Lord, what's going to happen with the people that you, you um, uh, died and, and raised and you, know, you loved? Uh, Give us the opportunity for us to go down there to talk to them, continue to talk to them about you. And Jesus said, no. You, you guys can't do that. Why, 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 Lord? Jumping around, you know, flying around him. And he's like, no, no, I have my church down there. That means us. So that was like an illustration to help us understand, you and I, we have the privilege of communicating the gospel to those who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't have hope. The gospel didn't come to, Jesus didn't come to this earth to make us happy. He didn't come to this earth to make us rich. He came to save us from not going to hell and on top of that, to allow us to experience a walk with Him. That's the greatest thing ever a believer can experience. How about those believers living in other countries that don't have like, like third world countries, really poor, but when you see how they worship Jesus, how they talk about Him, how they're willing to die, that's something else. You know what happened there? The gospel, the radical boldness that became alive in their lives. That's something tremendous. And that's something I'm praying to God that will be also part of my life or will be my whole life, the rest of my life on this earth. You know, Mark 5.19, you don't have to look for that verse. You can write it and then take a look at home. When Jesus found this demon-possessed guy that came around to him, you guys know the whole story, and um, Christ freed him. And he wanted to follow Christ. He wanted to go with him because he was so excited about his experience with, with the Lord. And Jesus was like, no, you can't go. He's like, why, why? And Jesus said something really interesting to him. Um, I'm just going to read this, you know. And it's like, and he did not permit him to, uh, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them. How much the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. Tell them, communicate, articulate, express, but with radical boldness, not being afraid. Talk to the people about what Jesus has done in your life. God is real. People will sense, the world will sense Jesus' reality when we as believers talk about him. Because then they will see that we're not just um, 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 pretending, but we are living we're, we're talking about our savior the one who has died on the cross because of love he came to save us we all have to do this because we have this privilege of doing that if you and i have never ever encountered somebody that that was willing to talk about his faith with radical boldness we wouldn't be here for sure he will be doing skiing something or whatever kind of winter sport you might have around here. <laughs> we have to share our faith with radical boldness. Articulate, express, talk about it. Don't be afraid. You know, um, in the mountains of Tennessee, I don't know if you guys have heard about this before, there is this type of animal, it's like, it's, it's a goat. They call it Fainting goats or wooden leg goats. Wooden leg goats are goats that every time they are afraid, somebody scares them, they are shocked, they will become stiff. They won't be able to walk. And they will fall like that. <laughs> and then they will stay there for a while 
until their muscles kind of electricity start running through their muscles and they will jump up and start running and hopping around. Some of us as believers sometimes we are like wooden leg goats. <laughs> when come the times for us to share the gospel, we will become stiff. We prefer not to show with radical boldness what Jesus has done for us. We prefer not to talk about God loves you or start trying to engage or start a conversation that people can hear that there is a real, true, loving, and great God. Work against that. Now, I understand that it's not easy. Okay? And I have written three reasons that we as believers can struggle with being radical in our, and bold in our sharing. Um, the first is, uh, we are afraid of um, being rejected. Rejection. Rejection is an issue here. That means um, afraid of losing friendship or family connections. I have some friends. I have a good friend of mine. Um, he's a pastor in uh, Nacogdoches, Texas. Um, he was a priest in his young years. Came from a really Catholic, strong Catholic family. When he came to know the Lord, he was around his 20-something. And a 14-year-old boy came with his New Testament in his hand. This guy talks, this friend of mine, when he was a priest. Um, he, he studied in Russia, different countries. He speaks like nine languages. Really good. He's a really intelligent guy. You know? And so this 14 or 16-year-old guy came up to him with his New Testament and shared the gospel to him. And you know what happened? He was like really upset because he said, how can this young guy know so much about the Bible? And I have all this education, you know, being this good, you know, good level position priest, and I didn't even understand the gospel. So he was transformed, shocked, and he gave his life to Christ. And his family, his, from his hometown, rejected him and said, you are not part of our family anymore. So the rejection part, um, by sharing the gospel, we have this um, fear. Sometimes we can go through people rejecting us. Second, we, are fear. we have fear. Okay, fear, uh, that means uh, um, being nervous on how to begin a gospel-oriented conversation. You know, the third one, insecurity. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond if they ask me a difficult question. It's not a sin as a believer when somebody asks you questions, like deep questions, you know, controversial questions. If you don't know the answer, say... I don't know. But one thing I know, God loves me, and He did this and this and this in my life, and I want to give you as a testimony what God had done for me. Are you open for Him to do the same thing for you? The gospel is simple. It's not difficult. It's not mathematics. Right? How to apply this strategy number one that we're just uh, talking about being bold and radical in the way we, we share? Um, you know, we have to, to overcome these kind of difficulties that we just mentioned. We need to seek and create opportunities in our daily life. Seek and create opportunities. Okay, how, Pastor Ruben, how can I share my faith with, with radical boldness? How, how should I make the first step? Create an opportunity. For example, this morning, uh, while we were getting ready to uh, come to church, uh, with this, all this time change, and I was kind of nervous. Every time I have to travel... You know, I will become really nervous. Not like the fainting goat, wooden leg goat, but I will become, become nervous. I'm like, we have to be early. And my wife is like, relax, relax. I'm like, no, we have to go, we have to go. And then, so she was like getting ready, you know, and she's like, um, you know what? I have this chocolate here I would like to leave for the housekeeper, and I'm going to write a note on it. I was like, no, 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 we have to go. It's too late. We have to go have breakfast and go to church. And then I heard his voice. She's like, okay, 
And then I felt like, what are you doing? This is a great opportunity because she was thinking about witnessing. We don't even know the woman is going to come and clean the room. But I thought, that's a, that's a great opportunity. And I said, I'm going to do it. So I grabbed the box and took a piece of paper and wrote John 3.16 and, and said, you know, God bless you, God loves you. We won't like to leave this gift for you. Create an opportunity to share the gospel. If we had a chance to see the lady, probably we would have tried to talk to her also. And, and an example of this is like while you're standing in the line in a bank, in a store, for example, you can, you know, some, some, most of the time people will like, if they're like waiting for a long time, they have the tendency of turning around and, you know, hi, and then try to start a conversation. Take advantage of that. You know, you don't have to preach to the person like a sermon with five points, but um, at least, at least you can say who you are. Ask that person, are you going to a church? You know, it's not offensive. It's not like, um, you know, making them feel bad. Sometimes they, they might say, no, we are not interested in that, but at least you have tried, and God will honor that courage of yours. Or while you're cutting your grass, excuse me, we're in Canada, while you're blowing the snow, <laughs> you, with, your, <laughs> with your snow blower, and your neighbor's like there, that's not a good time to talk, right? It's cold, you want to finish and get into the house. But at least, while you're doing something outside, Look for the opportunity to share the gospel and talk about Jesus. You know, Luke 12, 12 says, For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. The Holy Spirit will help you. Just be willing, able to open your mouth and open your heart and start talking about what God has done in your life. That's as simple as it is. Just do it and you will see the difference. Not only Paul, by mentioning verse 19 about you know, he's pray, asking people to pray for him so he can open his mouth boldly to share the gospel. But there's more things he wants to teach us. The second is, um, we need to be able to share the transforming message. Now the gospel, talking about a radical boldness, the message of the gospel has the power to transform. Okay? It's not a novel. It's, not a, it's a love story, but it's not a story come out of Hollywood. It has the power to transform. The last part of verse 19, he's like, Paul is saying here, you know, pray for me so I can open my mouth boldly. You know, and then he's like, to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of the gospel. What's the mystery of the gospel? What, what's Paul talking here about? Um... The mystery of the gospel, Paul is not talking about preaching. He's not talking about the witnessing, sharing the gospel in this last part of verse 19. Paul has in his mind, if you have the time later you can read it, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 and then chapter 3 verse 3 to 9, Paul explains what's the mystery of the gospel. Now, back, back then the Romans thought that the Christian movement back then were a cult. You know, they, they thought these are not, has nothing to do with God. These are like satanic. And Paul took the time in these verses, I mentioned chapter 2 and chapter 3, to explain, to contradict what the Romans were thinking about Christians back then. And he's like, no, 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 no. There is a mystery here taking place because of what Jesus did. Because of his death on the cross, resurrection, and his love, and his spirit. So 
Paul was explaining about um, the Jewish and the uh, Gentiles coming together under the church, being united, something that they, they never thought about. Two different cultures, two different ways of thinking, two different ways of having tradition, lifestyle. Because of Jesus, these two groups came under a church which is the mystery where the power of the Holy Spirit worked to transform their lives. So every time you read in Ephesians, you, you find this word where it's saying the mystery of the gospel has to do with the power of the transformation power of Jesus in people's life. That has to do with it. So the gospel's main goal is, brothers and sisters, to transform people's life. That's why Jesus came to this earth. Jesus didn't come to create a club. Jesus didn't come to create a Facebook website, fan page, whatever. Jesus came because of love, moved by a deep, eternally love. He came down to this earth to save people, to transform our lives. And if you're sitting here this morning, maybe you've never ever heard this really personal, up close and personal, I want to tell you something. Jesus loves you. And it doesn't matter how your lifestyle have, had, have, have been. He came to this world to love you first because John 3.16, the main idea in John 3.16 is because God so loved the world that He came to save us. So He loves you. That means He accepts the way you and I are. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter where you are right now in your life. He came because He loves you. And He accepts you the way you are. And His main goal here is to transform your life. Things that you and I cannot do. Not even on Red Bull. To transform our own lives. Jesus has the power to save. Amen? Amen. Jesus has have the power to transform our lives. Amen? Amen? So He is the one we need to seek. He is the one we need to follow. And this is what Paul was saying when he was talking about we need to share this transforming message. How can I be quiet? Please pray for me that I will... Open my mouth boldly and explain this transforming message because it transforms people's life. Look about Paul's own life. How was he? He was a really cruel and mad man. Really bad. Big time. But when he came to know Jesus, his life was changed. Your life, I believe, has changed. My life has changed. And God continued to work Every day in our lives. So, the mystery of the gospel connects to the sharing, the transforming message. You know, to share the transforming message, we need to communicate the difference between our past and our present. We need to do that. We need to communicate the difference between our past, and our present. I've known Christians that when it comes to time for them to talk about how they came to know the Lord, it seems like they enjoy more talking about their past than their present. 
they will even smile and you can see the joy, how they're talking about all the sinful things they've done. You know, all the women they slept with, all the beers they drank, the drugs they used. And it's like, oh, I was like the last Coke in the desert. People needed me back then. I was like, woohoo! That has nothing to do with your life in Christ. When we talk about our transforming life, you need to make small your past and make big your present. Minimize your past, expand your present because of the power of what Jesus has done in your life. That's amazing! Because the one who's going to receive all the honor and glory and famous is Jesus. Because if it wasn't for Him, we would be dead. Or probably in hell. But because of His mercy, He came after us. You know, there's one, this, this group, um, Christian group, I like their songs. Phillips, Phillips, Craig, and Dean. There's a song they talked about, He Ran After Me. And that song is so powerful. And everything they're saying is true about Jesus. You know, it talks about the prodigal son and all this. We all have been like that. And if you're in that position too, please start considering God is after you. You don't want Him to stop chasing you because you're going to be in a really bad position. You don't want that. Jesus loves you. And when He loves you, He wants to transform your life. When you come to know Him, He wants you to have the privilege of being used by Him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if everyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Amen. (laughs) Thank the Lord for that. The new has come. To give a clear testimony of what God has done in our lives, there must be a difference from dark to light, from dead to being alive, from dirty and filthy to being cleaned and completely washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So Paul, sharing or teaching us, we have to share the transforming power. Talk about what God has done in your life. Last one. We have to share an authentic testimony. We have to share an authentic testimony. Verse 20. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Ambassador in chains. Contradiction, right? I'm a Dutch citizen. I've lived for almost 18 years out of my home country. I've visited a number of times, had the privilege of going back home, spent time with my family. Um, but I've lived in Mexico and then the United States, and now going back to Mexico. But I've been under the protection of my embassy. The work of an ambassador is every time if you, we all here, we have to move, for example. Let, let's say you all guys go and you know be part of a church plant. You're going to be living in overseas. Being a Canadian citizen, those who are Canadian citizens, if something happens in that foreign country you're living, the first place you want to go is your embassy. You're going to look for that. Okay? Like a riot broke out, you need to go leave that country. Your embassy has a responsibility to protect you. So the ambassador, the one sitting in that office, 
with that big letter chair with four or five secretaries making different kind of coffees for him, you know, and all these kind of things. With the flags hanging behind, you know, um, the private jet and all these kind of things. Um, he has the responsibility to protect you because he is representing that at that moment. If he's like in Africa or whatever he is, he has responsibility to represent Canada, right? And you guys are like on it. You're going to be connected. You're going to trust him because you know he's going to be the one who's going to defend us. You know, he's the only one at that moment. Paul is using the word ambassador here, meaning that he's representing, he's representing the heavenly realm, heaven. He's representing Jesus Christ. He's representing God. And he's saying, I'm, the, I'm an ambassador. He's not saying that to Breck. To prove that is because he used the word after that in chains. Now, I don't think your ambassador or my ambassador will say, you know, I'm an ambassador in chains. I don't want to be here. No. You will be proud about this. But Paul is using here the word, I'm an ambassador. I'm one who's going to be representing humbly Jesus Christ. But at the same time, I'm willing to suffer. Chains means even death. It's not sitting on a wooden leather chair with five camels outside and I don't know how many secretaries. He's talking about which I am an ambassador in chains. I'm a servant. And I'm one that's representing Jesus Christ. And I have the privilege of um, suffer for him. And then he again repeats saying that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Share an authentic testimony. This is real. That's what he's saying here. The Apostle Paul is presenting himself as representative of Jesus Christ, but one who is willing to suffer. Like I mentioned, no I mean, the, the, the meaning of an ambassador is someone who's willing to lay down his life. An ambassador, when something happens, he's the last one to leave. When everybody else is on the plane, he's the left, last one to leave. That means he's serving, he's working, putting his life down on the line. Paul was transformed by the gospel. You know, Acts 26, verse 1 to 23, he talks about his testimony, the process of him being a believer. He came to know Christ. He talks about the suffering also when he's giving testimony about what God has done for him. The Apostle Paul is not a unique person. That means that, means that you and I cannot be like him or even better. It has to do with the willingness to submit his life to his Lord. Because the gospel has to do with that. Uh, uh, Luke 9, 26, if I'm not wrong, talks about everybody who wants to, Jesus said, who wants to come to be my disciple, they have to deny themselves and, and then take, take up their cross and follow me. So it has to do by submission to Jesus. It has to do about your willingness to let him live his life through you and me. I have some friends. I had this privilege of having some friends, pastors in India. Um, one of them are struggling with a sickness right now. His name is Carl Silva. And I met another man a couple of years ago, um, Dr. Isaac Shaw. These guys, when I, heard, when, I, when I spoke with them, I heard what they're doing in their home church, in their home country. 
I mean, there's one thing he, one of them told me. The day I met him, I was going through some really rough moment in the ministry. I was ready to quit. I was like really, you know, my, my heart wasn't there anymore. I was thinking, like, why am I doing this, you know? And so this guy came to, my house, to our house and spent like two hours. And he, he just listened to me. And then he started talking about his testimony, what he has gone through in his country. And this guy was talking about being kicked, being beaten, you know, um, stepped on, spit on, tied to a tree. But the thing is that I was in confusion because while he was telling me all these things, all these authentic situations that has transformed his life, he had a smile on his face. I was like, is this guy on drugs or something? <laughs> and he's, he's telling me all these experiences. They put him in jail. Then they put him, so the, the, the director of the, of the jail wanted to put him in the section where all the killers were. In particular, there was a guy there who just killed a couple of months ago a missionary from Australia. So they thought, we're going to put this, this pastor in there so they can kill him. Do you know what happened? This is a long story, make short. That whole section where he was came to know Christ. Because, amen, amen. Because, because, he told me when they kicked him in that area, you know, and they already prepared everything to kind of corner him and kill him. He said he was really afraid. So, it's okay to feel afraid when you have to share the gospel, okay? Don't feel bad like, I'm sinning, I lost my salvation. No, it's okay to feel afraid. We're human beings. God, Jesus understands that. But we have to push forward farther away from from feeling afraid because the Bible is saying that when we, we obey God, His Spirit will lead us. He's the one who's going to talk through us. So my friend Carl went to his, 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 his bed and he said, I, I heard the guys coming around me. The only thing I did was I fell down on my knees, I put my face on my bed and I started to pray and pray and pray and plead and, and ask God to help me. And God, I want you to be glorified, Lord. I want these people to know their life has been messed up. There's no hope for them. They might kill each other, but I want to ask you, Lord, please, please help me. If you want to kill me, it's fine. Give me the opportunity to share the gospel with them. After a, a while of praying and praying and crying and being afraid and shaking, he stood up. And all these people were like standing, they, they stepped backwards looking at him. So he stood on his bed and he started sharing the gospel. And then asked them to accept Jesus. Everybody in that section gave their life to Christ. So the news went to the, to the director. So he said, what? Then he came down and saw all these people, you know, crying and, and praying for forgiveness. His mind changed and he pulled out my friend here, Pastor Carl, and said, you know what? There is another jail down the road that I want to take you for you to go and preach. So they escort him to another place to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So friends, you and I have the exact same opportunity. Let's take advantage of that. Let's take advantage of that. How can we apply? Sharing, sharing an authentic testimony. Hmm. Like I mentioned to you, take advantage of an example here. I'm going to give you two examples and we, we're done. Take advantage of the abilities God has given you. 
take advantage of that. What I mean with this is like, for example, sports. If you're practicing a sport, you know, whatever it is, hockey, baseball, whatever. Try to give a testimony. Let people know in your sport club that you are a Christian. That's enough. And opportunities will come. But let them know who you are. At your job, at your work. I met this guy years ago in Mexico. He was from Kansas City. I believe he's with the Lord or, or now because back then he was like really old guy. But during the summer, he used to travel from Kansas City to Monterrey with his truck. And he, he's a rich guy. He was a rich guy, I believe. But his, his, his thing was that he will go to Mexico and he will build benches for schools and you know, offer to the, to the to local government to put in schools. And so when they ask him, why are you doing that? Because he doesn't want, want them to pay him. And he's like, then he, he takes the opportunity to share the gospel. Really broken, poor Spanish, but he will communicate. So he used his ability to work, to share the gospel. Another thing, hobbies. Do you guys remember Thomas Kincaid, the yeah. painter? Okay. That was his hobby. Of, obviously, it became a, a work for him. But he used his ability to paint these paintings and then had the opportunity to share the gospel through those paintings. Second thing is take advantage of circumstances of life. An example of this is, for example, you are invited at a graduation. You can talk about to that young boy or girl college that, you know, I'm so happy for you that you have graduated. God has given you an opportunity. This is an opportunity for you, you know. Weddings. You're invited to weddings. I don't know if they do it here in the States or, I mean, in Canada, but I remember in the southern Texas, years ago, my wife and I were invited to a wedding. And, um, you know, after, during the reception, you know, as soon as you're done with the meal, the couple will co- go around the tables with a big, well, back, back then they had big cameras. So now everything is like little, even phone now. But I'm talking about, so if I, if I use the, the expression big camera, it's years ago, okay? Some of you folks, young folks, don't even know what I'm talking about here. But you, you can Google it, okay? So... <laughs> So these big cameras with a light, you know, and then with a microphone, and they will go table to table and, and you know, ask the, 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 you know, the guest, do you have any, you know, good wishes for the couple? And we had the opportunity to, um, they gave me the, the mic, and I said, you know, I'm so happy for you guys, congratulations. And then I said, there's one thing I would like to say to you guys. And they were like, what are you going to say? You're going to give us money for honeymoon or something? I was like, make Christ the center of your marriage. And I remember back then, their face, they didn't like that. She was like, I was expecting something else. They'll take my wife, the mic and left. A couple of years after that, I heard they divorced. So take the, you never know what God can do. Take the opportunities of circumstances, graduation, wedding, funerals. You can listen to somebody, show compassion. Why, why do you really care about me? Why are you so caring? Why do you, you come and bring food to my house? That's an opportunity to share the gospel, the love of God. You know, God loves you, and he has saved me and loves me, and he's, he taught me to love you. So that's why I'm, I, I, I'm, I care about you. That's why I care. I don't want anything about, from you. I just want to pour God's love on you. Funerals are good opportunities. Crisis, marriage crisis. You know, there are situations that you can show that too. Um, three things. Share with radical boldness. Share the transforming message. And share the authentic testimony. Are we fired up for this? Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your love to us. Thank you for this wonderful church.
Thank you for the love that has been poured on us. And I want to ask you, Lord, that all these, th- these three things that we have seen this morning can be our lifestyle. I pray for myself that you help me be better and better and better in this aspect of witnessing, be able to create opportunities to talk about with, with radical boldness. Uh, I'm sharing with, with, with a trans, the transforming message and share the authentic testimony. This is real. So help my brothers and sisters this morning after they have heard your word. Um, I trust in your Holy Spirit that you will be the one to um, lead them in how to apply this. We had the privilege of hearing. Now we have the responsibility to apply. So we ask all these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. May God bless you. You're loved. Amen. Church, why don't we... Thanks so much for listening. We pray that today's message was encouraging and challenging. For more info about Harvest Bible Chapel, check us out online at harvestberry.ca. Thanks again, and remember, you are loved.